my friends, and welcome to another intriguing episode of Weekend Update. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. We are 10 days away from the 2022 general election. All told, this has been a wild one for the state of Wyoming. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of out-of-state money was dropped into our election. Crickets Cheney got beat in the primary by an astounding 39 points. Two of our statewide elected officials resigned this year. And we had a Secretary of State that was appointed one month before the general election. So to say the least, things have been a little bit crazy. But there again, this is the cowboy state, and we ought to be accustomed to handling things that are a little bit outside of the ordinary. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to visit with Secretary of State Carl Allred. If you'll notice, I didn't use the word interim or acting, because that's not a thing in Wyoming. We don't have a position of interim Secretary of State or acting Secretary of State like the media is trying to convince you that we do. The only time the word acting can be applied to the Secretary of State is if the governor leaves the boundaries of the state of Wyoming. In that case, the Secretary of State is the acting governor. Other than that, though, it's totally not a thing. And yet, the Wyoming fake news has used those two words repeatedly in reference to Secretary of State Carl Allred. The reason they do that is it's just another one of their ploys to convince you that the guy who's the Secretary of State, Carl Allred, is not legitimate. And, you know, he's really not the Secretary of State. He's the interim Secretary of State. Not even that. He's the acting Secretary of State. All of that is bullcrap. In Wyoming, when we have a vacancy in an elected office, there is a process by which candidates are asked to apply for the position to the political party that held that position previously. And then the relevant governing body makes a selection from the three choices that are provided to them by the political party. For example, Representative Hans Hunt chose to resign his position and go to work in Washington, D.C. for Cynthia Lummis. So then the Republican Party provided three options to the county commissioners, and then J.D. Williams was selected from those choices. And fortunately for us, Representative J.D. Williams was defeated in the primary by Alan Slagle. So, no loss there. Similarly, when Superintendent of Public Instruction Jillian Balow decided to resign her position and go to work in Virginia, maybe she's hanging out with old crickets now, The state Republican Party took applications, selected three candidates, and then sent those three to the governor so he could make his final selection. That's how we got Superintendent of Public Instruction Brian Schrader. And most recently, when Secretary of State Ed Buchanan took up Governor Gordon on his offer of being a district judge, yeah, I'm sure that wasn't a favor at all, the state Republican Party took applications, selected three candidates, and then the governor chose the Secretary of State from amongst those three people. So now, the Wyoming Secretary of State is Carl Allred, and we'll talk to him next. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. 
Weekend Update is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe a gigantic warehouse, then you need to call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around. And they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter what type of metal structure you've been interested in. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, 307-674-2532. Or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. My friends, it's Saturday morning and you know what I'm thinking about. Hot wings. Hot wings from the Wing It food truck. They make the most amazing hot wings that you've ever tried. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. Now, the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to Cowboy State Politics and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode. It's every Thursday morning beginning at 10 a.m. You can find the link to the live show at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. And now, back to the program. go to the general election, I thought we ought to check in with Secretary of State Carl Allred. He's been on the job for a little under a month. We had a great discussion, and here it is in its entirety. Welcome to Cowboy State Politics, Mr. Secretary. How are you today, Dave? I'm doing great. And yourself? Uh, just having a heck of a fun time. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, where I'd like to begin is just kind of generally speaking, this is sort of a short-time job for you. And so i just like to hear your thoughts in general as to um, how things have been going. So far, they've been doing really great, Dave. And, uh, and, and I appreciate you not using that term interim because that's not my title. But <laughs> I tell you, we hit the ground running fast and uh, things are going pretty good. You know, we've got a lot of uh, issues we're doing um, as I stated when I first came into this job, I have two main uh, objectives, and that's number one, to get through the general election smoothly without any glitches and to make sure that goes off without a hitch. Uh, second main one is to uh, um, facilitate the easy transition over to the secretary-elect, uh, who will be sworn in on January 2nd. Uh, other than that, I tell you, we've been uh, real busy with uh, a lot of uh, SLIB uh, board uh, meetings, and uh, we also did the uh, SBC meeting uh, yesterday. Uh, so they're, they're keeping me busy with a lot of that stuff. Uh, and I tell you, I'm having to read every single word of all these uh, <clears throat> loan applications or grant applications because I really want to make sure that we try to do the best thing for everybody in these. Well, certainly. And it's, I mean, the learning curve here is pretty steep for you. So a lot of people don't know 
um, what it is exactly that the Secretary of State does. I mean, most people know that they oversee the elections in the state of Wyoming, but what are some of the other responsibilities of the Secretary of State that maybe you may not even have been aware of? Yeah. You know, my, my good thing, Dave, is I, I had a lot of interaction with the Secretary of State's office prior to coming in, so I was familiar with uh, several of the staff and <clears throat> a lot of the job duties, but one of the things, one of the biggest parts of our office here is that we maintain the, our, our business division. Uh, the business division brings in approximately $90 million of revenue into the state. And I tell you, we have, uh, I, I'm trying to re- remember it, but like uh, 900,000 entities uh, between corporations, LLCs, and, uh, and, you know, any business filings, we have a couple new ones that have come in with the blockchain. Wyoming is one of the top three states to do business. You know, everybody knows Delaware, they know Nevada, but Wyoming uh, is in that top three. Um, and Wyoming invented the LLC, and we have the best rules in the entire country on that. Um, we One of the good things we do is we you know, especially in today's litigious society, we protect the corporate veil better than anybody. And so for a lot of companies, and and this is one good thing I like, Dave, is when they maintain their corporate structure in the state of Wyoming, that doesn't necessarily mean we're bringing more population in here, you know, because I like our small population, but they can maintain their corporate structure here. And that brings money into the state. Uh, like I say, our, our corporate division is one of the biggest money makers. Uh, then, of course, everybody knows the elections division. I'll tell you, we have three people in the elections division, and we outdo every other state in the union with the amount of people that we have. Uh, we also have our compliance division. Uh, with that, we, uh, we do, uh, I think it's 1,300 stockbrokers. Um, oh no, it's, it's more than that, but, uh, there's 1300, uh, uh, brokerage firms. And, uh, then we also do notaries, uh, financial advisors. Uh, and then here this, uh, last couple of weeks, I signed my first two extraditions, which we have to, uh, I have to sign those and we affix the state seal to those before we send them out to other States to bring people back. Uh, so there, there really is a lot that we do, and um, it's, it's probably one of the most efficient departments in state government with the amount of people that we have and the amount of work that gets done here. When you came into office, when Governor Gordon appointed you to be the Secretary of State, what was the thing that surprised you the most? Dave, I don't know if I was really surprised on a lot of it, but it it sure hit the ground running. I mean, I I was uh, sworn in on the 3rd of October, and that was on Monday. And right off the bat, we had SLIB meeting that week. Um, You know, I mean, it's been nonstop since I've been in here. And, uh, you know, there's just so much information to take in. Um, Like I said, trying to make sure that we make the right decisions on some of these uh, deals. It's, it's just been a huge load of, of, of things that we've had to pick up and, and run with. Well, let's kind of switch gears a little bit. 
you've been involved in the Republican Party for a very long time, and you've been very active in the state. Taking into account what you've learned in the 26 days you've been in office, or 23 days, in your estimation, what is the what is the most important election concern that Wyoming has right now? What's the number one thing that we need to focus on? You know, we got a lot of uh, things. I'll tell you, looking back over all the many, many years I've been involved in elections, and especially here in Wyoming, this election cycle is probably the dirtiest, ugliest that we've ever had here. Uh, influx of money coming into our state, uh, things, everything from uh, um, from uh, Liz trying to get Democrats to play in our primary. Uh, we've had a lot of, you know, we had uh, Wyoming, uh, we had a federal super PAC that dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars into the, the primary election. You know, trying to look at things, I'll tell you, um, one of the issues that came up in front of corporations committee last week uh, was the fact of these, right now there's an exemption in Wyoming that if you file as a federal PAC or a super PAC, that you don't have to file uh, financial reports with the state, which everybody else has to, if you're going to end. So I, I made the request to the corporations committee and that they look at removing that exemption. So if you want to, you know, if you want to just do federal stuff, that's the FEC's deal. But if you want to play in our state races, then you need to file reports with our state and you also need to uh uh you also need to be held to the limits that are set up for PACs within our state and so i'll tell you i was uh really excited to see uh senator case uh, surprisingly enough uh jumped right on that and said he wanted to start drafting a bill to do that and i was like wow that's that's impressive wow but i know i i know dave <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, he jumped right on it. So hopefully we're going to see a bill this uh, session that's going to remove that exception. And, you know, they'll, if they file as a federal pack, they'll still have to deal with the FEC, but if they're going to play in our state races, they need to file reports because right now you have, you can't see anything on those federal packs in you know, if you if you have a state pack, I can pull the YCFIS reports and see everybody who donated and who you gave money to and everything else. But it's it's kind of hard when it's a federal pack. Well, and it just doesn't make any sense because if you're if you're a state pack and you're you're donating or you're active in races across the state, some county clerks even require you to file reports with them. You know, if you've been involved in so, for example. If uh, if PAC A is from Uinta County and they're involved in a race in Laramie County, well, then they need to file with Laramie County as well. So, I mean, just for the sake of transparency, it's important that everybody knows, you know, who all the players are. And I mean, that was one of the things with Liz when I started looking into all of her her campaign financing. There was some some really spooky people that were donating to her campaign. And it, it's honestly, Carl, it is very difficult to track them all down. And I, you know, if it's possible to get a handle on that, I, I think I would be in favor of that. You know, I, I, I think so too, Dave. Uh, you know, and, and 
to be honest, it doesn't matter if it's a pack that I don't like, such as a federal super PAC that really played a lot of money in our in our election here this year, or if it's a pack that I do like that, you know, supports candidates that I would agree with. The thing is, is, you know, we've got some rules there and everybody should be on an even playing field. So it doesn't matter if they're good or bad, or I like them or you like them or, you know, everybody should be held to the same standard. And quite frankly, if you're going to play in our state races again, you need to, you know, you need to be responsible and report to the state of Wyoming. I completely agree. So a lot of there was a lot of news articles written about your request of county clerks to do away with drop boxes. Uh, what exactly happened with that? You know, I'll tell you, so right now, currently, we have seven counties in the state that are using drop boxes. And, you know, I, I, I've been accused of everything from voter suppression to, you know, just trying to. But you got to understand the letter that was sent out. It was a very polite request. You know, by the time I took office, they'd already started the uh, voting for the general election. And I, I, I wasn't pretty sure that none of them would remove them. But I did want to put out also the concerns is in 2020, the secretary made a directive because of the corona and all that st hype surrounding that that they could use drop boxes. The secretary does have the uh, authority under emergency conditions, health or things like that to make directives. But the statute itself says that an absentee ballot shall be mailed or delivered to the clerk. I don't really think a drop box is delivering it to the clerk. No, I don't think it is. So, because they had already done them for the primary, they had already started with the voting by the time I came into office, I, I, I really didn't think that they would remove them at this point. Um, but I also said, you know, in the interest of the security and safety of those ballots that do go into those drop boxes, that if they were going to use them, that they needed to make sure 24-hour video surveillance on those boxes, and they also have to be removed. You know, they have to be emptied daily because there is a requirement that the clerk time and date stamp those ballots when they come in. So, you know, I, I really, you know, we haven't had any problems to this date and cross your fingers, we don't. But there's just the, you know, there's the potential for maybe those ballots to be damaged or destroyed in that drop box before they're uh, taken out. And so that's really where the big concern is. You know, I know in other states there were issues with drop boxes and, you know, documented issues. But in this state, there hasn't really been that type of a, of a problem. But as I stated on, on an interview uh, the other day here, just because we don't haven't had a problem at this point, we still need to you know, be ever vigilant in this. If there's a, a thought of a possibility, you know, let's address it. Let's see what we can do to minimize uh, any risk that possibly might arise. Well, and that's just it. The whole thinking is 
Well, you know, it hasn't happened before, so why should we expect that it's going to happen now? Well, as you pointed out with all of the campaign financing, I mean, this year there's been a lot of different activity in the state that we're that we haven't seen in Wyoming before. And so it just stands to reason that, you know, if we can take a precaution, we ought to. And I mean, secondly, you know, when in just about every other place where you're exchanging documents or or materials, you have a chain of custody, and it's important to maintain that chain of custody. So we knew we know who it is that had their hands on, you know, uh, whatever legal document or uh, or whatever you're dealing with. So if we can put measures in place to protect, you know, that portion of our election, we ought to do that. And and frankly, Mr. Secretary, you know, I I think that it would be very difficult to steal or to monkey with an election in the state of Wyoming. I mean, we do have um, a really secure election system. So, you know, I, I, I think the, the most we can hope out of that is um, precautions. But I, I agree 100%, Dave. You know, uh, again, problems that they talked about in the 2020 election, a lot of that dealt with the presidential. And, uh, you know, here in Wyoming, we have three electoral college votes. I, I know that because I've done it twice. But, uh, you know, the, the time, uh, the amount of money, time and effort that may have been put into some of these other states, quite frankly, the return on their investment would be very low in Wyoming as far as on the presidential um, aspect. So, and that's one reason why, you know, we, we haven't had a lot of problems in Wyoming. And when we do it, when we do find one, you know, when we found maybe a felon voting or somebody that we know has voted in another state, you know, we will vigorously uh, prosecute those people and we're, we're going to go after them. So, we haven't had a large scale. Other states aren't so lucky. No, clearly. So I'd like to get your thoughts on some of the draft legislation that's been coming out of the Corporations Committee. The first one that comes to mind is this ridiculous idea of ranked choice voting. Why would that be such a bad idea? I'll tell you, all you gotta do is look at some of the other, you know, perfect example, look at Alaska, you know, that ranked choice voting is terrible idea. Some people refer to it as an instant runoff. Well, it really isn't. And when you look at the statistical numbers on that, generally you're not gonna end up with the very best candidate. You end up with middle of the road at best. Uh, ranked choice, and here, here's the other thing, and we tried to, exp- you know, my office did a pretty dang good job explaining the corporations committee. There's a couple reasons why we don't want to go down that road. Number one, software to run that ranked choice voting algorithms is not certified. That software is not certified uh, by the FEC or anybody. And so we cannot put that on our election software, uh, our election computers. Those are air-gapped. Only stuff on there is certified, tested, and proven software. So it can't reside on those computers. So that means we're going to have to have another computer that isn't secure. And then we would have to take the results off of our election soft uh, computer 
and put them on this other computer to run that ranked choice uh, voting software, the algorithms to come out with that. The other thing is, is the cost of that uh, using this third party software, again, which we can't legally use on any of our equipment, that third party software costs $10,000 per county per election. And then on top of that, then we also have a training cost. So everybody uh, in the counties that might use them, that might use this ranked choice, would have to be trained to use this software. And that's substantial amount of cost. So, you know, we're looking at a lot of money to even use the ranked choice uh, voting. And we're using on... Uh, software and a computer that is not certified, that has not been uh, tested to rigorous standards. And of course, that's one thing that everybody talks about is, you know, the security of our election software. And now they want to use something that we can't legally use on our soft, on, on our equipment. Uh, that, that brings a lot of problems. Again, you also don't come out with the very best candidate. Well, and that's that's probably, I mean, all of the uh, election security issues aside, my biggest problem in Wyoming is that, generally speaking, your 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 candidates that are either very liberal or very conservative, I mean, rarely do you have people that are kind of in the middle of your independents vote for them. And so with a ranked choice voting system, those candidates, while they still might be the best candidate, they get eliminated in the first or second round. And so, like you said, you end up getting number two or number three down the list. And that's, in my opinion, that whole ranked choice voting thing is rigged so that your more your most conservative candidates don't win. That's right. Now, out of corporations committee, they passed the one that would be an optional pilot program for municipalities if they want to do it. Right. And hopefully we'll kill that, that bill will die in session. Uh, if not, again, that huge amount of cost, number one. And they also put down that if a municipality wants to use that, they're going to reimburse the county for the, for the expense of that. Now, I don't know many municipalities around here that have that kind of money floating around because they're all pleading poverty right right so hopefully that bill will will drop off um thankfully in the corporations committee they failed to uh uh pass forward the again the one that uh would have had open primaries and ranked choice in the general that bill was uh didn't make it out of committee so hopefully that won't come back up well, the reality is a lot of the people on that committee are not going to be returning to the legislature. So really, in effect, I mean, it's it's a, a lame duck committee. And it just from the outside, it just looks like they're just passing whatever legislation they want to. And they they have to know that it doesn't really stand a prayer on the floor. That's what I'm hoping. Um, there is one other bill that they pushed through that really uh, has me concerned and that's uh, taking the party out of uh, appointing for vacancies. You know, if a, if, a, if a vacant seat was a member of the, of the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, um, Constitution Party, you know, Libertarian, any of these parties, then the party should have a say in who gets, 
who gets put in there? Um, you know, I know they were upset when Brian Schrader was uh, appointed. And then some people were really upset when I was appointed. Nobody seemed to mind when we appointed Governor Gordon into the Treasury. Right. Uh, nobody seemed to be upset when Ed Buchanan was appointed into this office. So all of a sudden now they're upset and they want the party out of it. I, you know, I, I think the party is very integral in that they do a lot of vetting. Uh, as you've seen, Dave, you've been around mm -hmm. uh, some of the party meetings. Most of the time, the party knows these candidates that have applied, uh, you know, and put in their, uh, their application for these vacancies. And, I'll tell you what, they do a pretty dang good job of eliminating those people that we don't want in there. It still goes to the governor or to the county commissioners to uh, to for the final uh, selection on that. But at least the party can come in and say, you know, hey, these are guys that are going to uphold principles that we know and that we agree with. Well, and I think you're you're spot on. If there were a position where it were the Democrats that were choosing three candidates for the governor, I doubt that there would be such, you know, the, the amount of uproar that we saw over your appointment and Superintendent Schrader's appointment. It just seems to me that it's all of this is is party politics, because you and I both know that, you know, there there are some conservative folks in the Republican Party, and then there are some not so conservative redcoats in the party. So. You know, I, in my mind, a lot of it is is political. The other thing that you have to look at, uh, Dave, is let's say that you have a, a, a vacancy in a legislative seat um, or in one of your county officers. If that person happened to be a Republican and was elected by the Republican citizens in that county, but the county overall happens to be heavily Democrat. Take a look at uh, Albany County or, you know, a, a years ago, Sweetwater County was that way. And, and say that they have to, you know, they take the party out of the selection process. What's the chance on them picking the very best candidate for that job? Oh, I think it would, it would definitely turn into a good old boy network more so than it already might be. Sure. Or let's take, for example, if it's a if it's a Democrat held seat and uh, in a Republican county, you know, and, and that does happen. So let's say the Democrats and they're taken out of the complete selection process. How do you think that's going to be a, a, a good Democrat being appointed by the Republican county commissioners? Or are they going to pick somebody that's... Um, basically a Republican, but put a D behind their name. Exactly. I mean, it works both ways. You know, in, in my opinion, a good fix out of, you know, for all of these issues that we're talking about would be, you know, runoff elections. You know, I tell you, Dave, and, and, and runoff elections are a good uh, possibility, but one thing I've always been a proponent of and I, I really like is more of the caucus convention system. Uh, that's the way the minority parties in this state do it. And I'll tell you, Title 22 is discriminatory and it's unconstitutional where it, so where it, where it discriminates against um, a major party versus a minor party. And really, they need to get rid of that 
uh, majority party and get rid of the selection of minority parties and just put them political parties. So everybody gets treated exactly the same. But one thing that you'll see, the advantage of a caucus convention system is that helps uh, legislators be a little more responsive to the party. Right now, there are some legislators who don't care at all about the party platform or anything else, except, you know, maybe when it's election time. But if we have a caucus convention system, again, you, you, you come from the grassroots at the caucus and they come into the county convention with, uh, you know, representatives that are elected at the caucus to be there as delegates. <clears throat> and at that point, then they're going to pick who the party's um, candidate will be. Now, that doesn't preclude anybody else from running as an independent or in anything else, but the party themselves get to, uh, you know, and, and, and these are people who want to put the time in and come into the county convention all the way, again, from the grassroots, it's at the caucus, anybody and everybody who's an elected or who's a, you know, Republican or Democrat or independent or any party can show up at the caucus and they have a say in that and that comes up. Then you also have the knowledge of the party and people who care about the party platform. And you don't have a lot of the uninformed voters there. And at the general, everybody's the same anyway. You're going to vote for whichever candidate you think is best. But the party in that point would get to choose their own uh, nominee. And then if anybody doesn't get 51%, then the top two would go to a primary. But for the most part, um, that would put the issue of the primary right to the party themselves, and it would take it off the cost of the state. Yeah, I certainly think that would improve things. Well, Carl, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about that uh, we didn't already cover before I let you go? Well, Dave, you know me. I could probably go on for a few hours, and I know you're limited in time, but... Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And anytime you, you know, I want to tell anybody if they've got questions or they have uh, uh, any concerns, whether it's the election, whether it's the office or anything else, feel free to give me a call. I'll take, uh, you know, right now I work for the people and I will answer your questions and I'll talk to anybody out there. Okay, Mr. Secretary. Well, thank you for taking the time to visit with me and good luck in your in the two months you have left in office. Thanks, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday when we'll visit with my friend Ken Pendergraft, who is the Republican nominee for House District 29. But until then, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.